maiden voyage of the new and improved Super Show. This is where it starts with a week two edition of Superflex standard operating procedures for you as we're going to be going over some waiver claims, some ads, some drops, some buys, some sells. We're even going to get into next week, this week, and uh, give you a head start on your week two waiver claims. Uh, along with my partner, Brian Har at Brian Har FF, I am John Hogue at Superflex Dude. Week one is in the books, Brian. Do me a favor, man. Give me a word or a phrase to describe week one. Holy smokes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's about right. I was thinking something along the lines of what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. E- equally as appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it, to me, the it, what made it so strange for fantasy purposes is normally week one is is the week where, you know, everybody's healthy, everybody's explosive. And, you know, it's it's your first time showing off your, you know, your offense. Um, you've been running a very vanilla offense all through the preseason, and now you unleash the entire playbook. And so usually all your stars, all your studs just absolutely go off in week one. But we had so many of these guys just totally let us down. I don't even know. I don't even know how else to put it. I mean, I do, but uh, we're trying to keep this, um, you know, safe for work. Yeah, man, for sure. It was a it was a rough uh, a rough week, uh, unless you took some risk, right? I mean, uh, just your, your normal guys that are plug and plays. Some of those guys did not show up this week. Um, and, and there were some other guys that I didn't even think were going to really play much that ended up just being, you know, having huge weeks. So it, it was, it was very entertaining, uh, but it was very frustrating from a fantasy perspective at least from at least for my squads so um hopefully things will normalize a little bit here moving forward yeah i kind of ended up with a few of those guys those those randos i mean there were some of these guys i think that we that we kind of saw it coming personally you know matthew stafford was one of the top quarterbacks this week um obviously lamar jackson was number one and, you know, our guy Stompy has been talking about him until it, you know, it, I, I'm ready to puke. But I mean, he was he was he had this one dead on, at least against Miami. <laughs> I think Miami is is going to be an unfair advantage uh, throughout this fantasy season, I think. But, you know, some of these guys, Austin Eckler kind of saw that one coming. You know, I, they they don't really have anything else going on at running back, but they they're going to run the ball. They're going to use that running back uh, in the passing game as well. So there were some some of these guys. And then a, a, a big one, we got to give a shout out here to our to our guy, James the Brain, because uh, we did a next week this week on our last episode that came out last week uh, when we had the whole crew uh, minus Ryan Miller. And James gave us Chris Conley. In a revenge game against Kansas City, his first game with the Jaguars, and uh, I mean he nailed that one. We're going to talk more about Conley, but um, so some of this was, I guess, was a little bit predictable. But I mean to see the the down games for you know guys like Mike Evans and and 
Stephon Diggs, the entire Browns offense. It was uh, it was pretty unexpected, especially for a week one. This is the type of thing that you expect, you know, a little later in the season to have that random week where none of your stars do anything, but you just you don't expect it in week one. So it was interesting, but uh, we're going to we're going to get into some standard operating procedures for you. Um, but before we do that, just a quick reminder that the Super Show is part of the DLF family of podcasts, along with several other great podcasts, including the DLF Dynasty podcast. Join the longest running weekly dynasty fantasy football podcast in the industry as they analyze the game of dynasty football with veteran hosts Dan Myler, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Seasoned professionals who know how to win and don't take themselves too seriously. The DLF Dynasty Podcast team will keep you informed and entertained all year long. So subscribe to the DLF family of podcast mega feed and tune in to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. All right, Brian, let's get to this week's episode, though, and uh, what we call standard operating procedures. Uh, just uh, just basic roster management, um, including above all else, the waiver wire. Uh, we uh, we saw some breakout performances and uh, some injuries that are going to affect the way you you make your waiver claims this week already here in week two. And uh, so we've identified a few players that you uh, definitely want to prioritize on waivers and uh, even a couple that you can drop. Uh, to make room for some of those guys. So let's get into it, Brian. I'm going to start with you uh, with some ads. Yeah, so we'll start my ads with uh, a few Jacksonville Jaguars here, um, obviously playing the Kansas City Chiefs in a shootout type of game. But uh, you had some some performances that I think at least were a little bit surprising to me uh, from a couple of those receivers. Um, so I'll, I'll start there. Um, with those guys uh, and Chris Conley and DJ Chark, both um, not owned very much. Uh, I think, I think 1% owned uh, these guys. So uh, these are guys that both had pretty big performances on Sunday uh, first with Nick Foles. And then another, another one of my ads here is, is uh, Gardner Minshew, you know, super flex leagues, right? So uh, if there's an opportunity to pick up a quarterback, who's going to start for a few weeks, uh, and I'm not anticipating him taking over that job long term. Once Nick Foles is able to compete, I think he'll be out there. But um, but in the short term, this is a guy that maybe you can plug in your lineup uh, if you're really in in need of some quarterback help. Um, he's probably not owned in most leagues. Uh, and if he if he is good, good for those guys, because uh, they saw this coming. And I don't know that a lot of us did so. Uh, those are those are kind of um, my, my, my first couple. Um, and then also Keyshawn Johnson from the Cardinals. Uh, he had a pretty big week. He was targeted 10 times by Kyler Murray against the Lions. I caught five passes for 46 yards. Uh, so he's another guy I think you could add if you need maybe a flex play wide receiver uh, or a third wide receiver or some depth. Uh, um and then also Darren Waller, uh, who is having a big night as we speak. Uh, Oakland uh, playing playing against Denver. Um, I think he had at the end of the third quarter there, he was 36% market share on targets, uh, seven catches for 70 yards so far. So 
uh, having a pretty big night, and he's 44% owned in leagues. So that's another guy that I would look at uh, if you need some tight end help. I think this is a guy that's going to have a pretty big season. Um, you know, uh, Derek Carr looking for pass catchers in that offense with the departure of Antonio Brown now. Uh, so I think Darren Waller is a guy that uh, if he's still out there on your waiver wires, you need to go get him. Yeah, man. We're, so we're uh, we're going to have to put some of these under the microscope a little bit here in a minute. But real quick, I'll give you a few ads that I came up with. First of all, Adrian Peterson, 38% owned. He was a healthy scratch. And now I this is something we talked about all offseason. Darius Geis coming off the ACL injury. Uh, our 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 good friend dynasty outhouse and uh your your co-host at the trade addicts podcast he's the one that really turned me on to this idea and um i don't know for sure where he got it so i i can't give credit beyond him um i mean maybe maybe he's secretly some kind of doctor and we don't even know about it. maybe he he just came up with this one on his own um, he's, he's like a freelance doctor, like recreationally or something, <laughs> but, uh, the, the idea basically is you, you know, these players come off of the ACL injury, re, they rehab that ACL and then they end up with compensatory injuries on the other, in the other leg, um, generally in the hamstring, but, you know, basically you just don't totally trust the structural integrity of that surgically repaired knee and it affects the way you run and you end up overcompensating trying to you know carry the load with that other leg and you end up suffering injuries and we we see it all the time dalvin cook is probably the most notable uh case of this from the 2018 season well we've been talking about throughout the offseason that you know there's a good chance here that darius geis goes through the exact same thing coming off of the ACL injury here in 2019. And sure enough, one game in and he's already dealing with knee issues in, in the non-surgically repaired leg. Uh, He's going to miss some time. And uh, I mean, Adrian Peterson went over a thousand yards for them last year uh, in, uh, you know, a shortened season for him. Um, He signed late and uh, he, ended up being their their workhorse back and i think that that's coming again um john brown uh only 50 percent owned and we we saw that he's obviously and very easily the top target for josh allen uh we kind of talked about that one a lot throughout the offseason i always felt like robert foster was going to be a good fit as well but basically those speed guys the guys who can get down the field and josh allen can trust the fact that he's not going to be able to overthrow their speed and i think we saw that with john brown and then finally john ross third year breakout here it comes um what was his stat line again i he he had i it wasn't just the typical you know, uh, deep routes and, uh, and, you know, red zone targets that he was getting last year. He was actually now granted, you know, AJ green still out with a foot injury, but 12 targets led the team. John Ross, seven catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns. I I'm not expecting that every single game going forward, but 
I think that especially as long as AJ Green is out, I think John Ross is going to be very involved in that offense. Tyler Boyd's still there, um, but I mean, he's kind of a slot type guy. And John Ross is really all you've got on the perimeter right at the moment. So the first thing that I think we need to talk about here, because I mean, to me, um, I, and you know, you may disagree here, but to me, the pretty obvious top priority is going to be guard, Gardner Minshew, right? In a yeah. super flex league. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. Um, uh, again, you know, quarterbacks aren't often available. Start, you know, guys that are going to start multiple weeks are usually, you know, and and especially in super flex leagues, they're not as available. So I think you know this is a guy. And the other thing that he was really impressive too. I mean, it wasn't just he came in and he kind of threw the ball around and whatever, right? Which you would expect. First NFL game action um, against a really good team not not so much on the defensive side of the ball but but in a shootout type game uh coming off the bench cold and and entering the game with Foles going down so you know and he was 22 or 25 so i mean the kid performed pretty darn well and i know he had a pretty pretty nice career in college up at washington state but um i i was taken back by his performance and you know now can he do that moving forward obviously that's the question but I think if you're looking at, at at waiver ads, I think in a super flex league, you absolutely have to take a chance on this guy. Um, you know, maybe you're a team that lost Andrew Luck or you just lost Foles. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely trying to acquire him in in those situations for sure. And even if I'm not necessarily quarterback needy, he's a guy that, you know, maybe you can pick him up and then move him in a deal. So uh, I definitely think he's the top priority in a super flex league. Yeah. Yeah, he looked so poised. He was just it, it you you rarely see a backup quarterback come in that ready, you know? It, it just kind of at the drop of that. That's a tough thing to do. That's one of the tougher things to do in sports is to come off the bench cold and and you know, play with any type of success, much less like as a rookie come in and play that well and look that good. Now he doesn't get to play the chief secondary every, every week. That's uh, that's, that's part of the key here, but uh, I mean, he's got Houston coming up. That's not a very good secondary either. And then uh, I mean, Tennessee, that'll be a tough one, but you know, they're in the meantime, I, I, I think that he's, he's got some opportunity. Houston to me, that's a very similar defense to what he just got in Kansas City. They can rush the passer, and that's all they really try and do. You know, they try and cover up the fact that they cannot, that, you know, they can't lock up these wide receivers and they lock it, they, they try and cover it up with a pass rush. So it, there's a good chance that here in week two that Gardner Minshew shows us even more of, of what we just saw. So, it's pretty interesting. Nick Foles goes on IR and I don't know that he's going to come off, man. You know, it's what is it? 12 weeks, 10 weeks, something like that. Eight weeks. Yeah. Maybe? yeah I think it's, it's somewhere eight to 10. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Before he's eligible to come off of IR. Right. And in the meantime, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to win some games with Gardner Minshew. And at that point, it's like, you know, why, why bring back Nick Foles when we could bring back, 
you know, one of our other guys at a different position because, you know, we're fine here with, with our rookie or they're so bad that, you know, what's the point of bringing back Nick Foles and risking re-injury <laughs> to, so to me, like either way, you kind of, you kind of run into a situation where what's the point of bringing Nick Foles back here in the 2019 season. Uh, that that's the most likely scenario to me is, is that Nick Foles ends up missing the rest of this season. So I guess my question to you is in a super flex league, Gardner Minshew's your top, your top priority. How much are you willing to spend on him? Yeah, I think I would probably spend like 60%, 65%. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think it's going to take to get him? Do you think that gets him 65, 60, 65? In, in some leagues, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it depends on how, again, how some of these people have prepared for for this. If they're drafting quarterbacks like you and I, maybe not. But, <laughs> um, you know, if I mean, you lose Andrew Luck in a super flex league, you know, a week before the season starts or whatever. And you're kind of like, right, if you don't get Brissett, you're kind of like scrambling right now right you don't have a lot of depth probably or you know it's 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 i just i think i don't know i don't know i don't know that it gets him though yeah. i mean the kid completed 88 percent of his passes for almost 300 yards like that's and again like you said the you know emphasizing that he he comes off the bench cold it's the first nfl action he's seen ever Mm-hmm. You know, so and and he and he performs like that. I mean, that's impressive. I don't care. You know, I don't. Even if he doesn't work out moving forward and and ends up not, you know, having a a a, a major impact, I think you have to acknowledge that. I mean, this week is kind of like a like damn. You know, like wow, <laughs> yeah. like this that is impressive what he did. I don't think. Right. There's been many cases where that has happened in the league before. So um, he's got people right now. I guarantee you that there are podcast episodes out there right now talking about the comparison to Tom Brady and the way he burst onto the scene. Yeah. There's a difference, though. Tom Brady had been sitting on the bench for a year behind Drew Bledsoe. Right. This is this is a rookie. This is his very first game on an NFL sideline his first quarter on an NFL sideline and all of a sudden he's in the game. Yeah. He was in college four months ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. He was still doing keg stands. (laughs) Uh, And now with that that mustache, he probably, I mean, he probably (laughs) actually was. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That that's pretty much a given. Yeah. So it, it, they're also right now are their podcast episodes, advocating for spending a hundred percent of your fab to get him now in a dynasty superflex, especially I, you know, I think that that's where you could possibly make an argument for that. I don't like doing that in week one, man. I don't care who it is. We went through this two years ago with Jay Cutler when he all of a sudden was available on waivers and it was 
everybody push your chips in, maybe even make a trade for a little extra fab so that you can make sure that, that you get him. And first of all, he, he wasn't necessarily startable for the entire season. Second of all, even if he was, even if he had been good enough to help your team actually win, what happens when your running backs start going down and the guys, you know, their, their backups are on waivers. Uh, you know, you, you need to go out and, and get some running back help off of waivers and you don't have any money left to do it. So that's why I don't like making that move, but I guarantee you that there are podcasts right now telling you to go all in hundred percent to go get Gardner Minshew particularly in a dynasty league. And I, the only way that I can, that, that I would be willing to, to advise that is if you've already made the decision that this is not your year, you're not, you're not competing. You're not even trying to compete. You're, you know, you're kind of forcing yourself into a productive struggle, which by the way, even that's tough again, to, to bring up our boy outhouse in trade addict six, He's actually trying to tank, but, and he has, you know, young players and, uh, you know, the, it was meant to be kind of a productive struggle type of year. It's meant to be a rebuild year. And it looks like he's going to win his first game, right? I mean, just because of, he just happened to have a handful of those guys. Yeah, you had to point that out, didn't you, John? <laughs> I just happened, I didn't say I who just, he was beating. <laughs> I just happened to be his opponent this week. So, um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, just a little salt in the wounds there, but appreciate I, that. I, <laughs> yeah. The point being, I mean, he may or may not be an actual contender this year, um, but I mean, if he's going to stay the course and you know try and try and tank the rest of this year then, you know, I could see going all in on Gardner Minshew because you're not going after those running backs late in the year anyways. You're not going after last year's, you know, Josh Adams and Gus Edwards and, and Damian Williams. You're not trying to C.J. Anderson. You're not trying to pick those guys up. Right. Because all those guys do is help you win this year, which he's not trying to do. So, right. so that's the only way, though, that I would even consider it personally. Yeah, I think I mean I I'm I'm kind of with you there. I don't think I would I would do you know 100%. Um Now, I will say in the so in the Scott Fishbowl, um I I tried to when when Luck I I had Andrew Luck in in the Fishbowl. Mm -hmm. And when Brissett was out there, I did bid 100% of my fab. Um I didn't win him either. So I wasn't the only one in my league that did. And I don't know what the tie break is for that uh, as far as as far as getting him. But I did not get him for 100%. Um, so I did do that. But I also felt like I had a team that was decent enough to give myself a chance. So I, you know, and, and my quarterback room is very slim now without Andrew Luck. Um you know, but but I but I agree here too. There's you know we've seen this kid play a little bit more than half of uh, of football in the National Football League. So you know, Brissett, there's at least precedent there for what he might be capable of. This kid, you know, I mean, I certainly like. Again, I I just said I I certainly like what I saw, 
but it was a half of football. So we'll see, you know, we'll see moving forward here. I, I don't think I would give my whole fab, but again, I, you know, I, I, I did bid on him in a league and I bid, uh, upwards of 55 to 60%. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm comfortable with that. If I get him great, if I don't, I, you know, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a redraft, it's it's not. Uh, I I don't know if if you need quarterback help, I could I could see it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, it, it you know, FOMO is a totally different thing in a redraft league. In a dynasty league, if if he does end up being you know on a trajectory similar to Tom Brady, then you're gonna wish that you had gone all in but again for me you know if you're let the let the teams who are rebuilding do that and yeah i mean maybe put like a 70 percent, 65 percent bid something like that on him just in case just in case that's good enough to get him but leave yourself with enough fab to to get through the rest of the season um Real quick, just uh, so the rest of this list, we've got Chris Conley, DJ Chart, Keyshawn Johnson, Darren Waller, Adrian Peterson, John Brown, and John Ross. Who is your second priority out of that list? Uh, I think my second priority would be Darren Waller, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, I just think he's going, you know, he, he's going to be a target hog in the Raiders offense. You know, they're... They have Tyrell Williams there, um, the gazelle, of course. <laughs> um, you know, and I think they're going to run the ball a lot with Josh Jacobs. So, but but I think that Waller is a guy. He's really athletic, um, and, and I just think he he's a guy that is really going to kind of uh, show out this year. I you know I, I just I think he's a really athletic guy. He's he's in that mold you know, that we're, we're starting to get used to with these tight ends that are so athletic. Um, you know, and he's, and he's, uh, again, we're talking about, you know, a team that just lost what they thought, you know, they, they acquire one of the best receivers in the game and, you know, start installing offensive systems using that guy. And then he's gone. Um, so they need weapons to step up and, when you have a guy that's probably that was probably going to get upwards of a hundred and you know thirty to one hundred and fifty targets in Antonio Brown, who's no longer there, those targets are going to go somewhere. And I think Darren Waller's going to get a, a a lot more of them now. Uh, so I think he's the guy that I would prioritize out of this list. The other thing is, I just am not sure. I'm not sure enough about Jacksonville's offense yet to put one of those guys in front of Waller uh, in terms of my my particular uh, ads here. Um, so that's why I think I would stick with him. Yeah, that's a good one. I The, the rest of these guys are get, probably going to be pretty cheap. I think Darren Waller, what, 20%? Does that sound – or does that sound rich to you? No, I would put that. I would put that towards it easily, I think. Obviously depends on settings and everything. You sure. Know, a heavy enough tight end premium, and you're probably going to have to bump it up to close to 50%, honestly. Um, right. Two tight end, it's it's probably going to bump it up as well. It shouldn't, but it will. 
Um, give me Adrian Peterson. Uh, I, I think you can probably, he, he's going to be a little expensive too. I think probably in the neighborhood of 25, 30%. Um, but I mean, just the fact that you, you, you kind of know what you're getting with him, um, after what we saw last year from him, I, it, it, it's always tough for me with running backs, but you know, just he he's he's proven to be durable you know and um it's not a great offense it's it's a banged up offensive line but he just always manages to crank out yards so um yeah adrian peterson is probably my second priority and then waller right after him but um i think we're uh we're pretty close on those so how about a guy that you can drop to make a little bit of room yeah, so this one's probably going to cause a lot of controversy, <laughs> to be honest. At least, at least talking with some of my friends um, on on Twitter and whatnot. But I, I'm I'm about. I mean, I've never been high on the guy, and I'm about done with Rashad Penny. He's kind of taken up space on my roster. <laughs> I know that sounds ludicrous um, to to drop a 23 year old first round draft pick. And it kind of is. I mean, when I'm sitting here saying it, it kind of it feels a little bit ludicrous. Um, I'm Chris just not Carson so much better, though. He really is. I mean, Mike, you know, I'm not sure that I don't know. I, I was going to say I'm not sure Mike Davis wasn't better. But, you know, hey, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I, I just I just I've never been a penny guy. He, he was he was outstanding in college. He was. But, you know, smaller school competition i don't know i just wasn't i i've never been a penny guy i thought that when seattle drafted him i was i was absolutely shocked um that he went where he did and i just don't see it with him i I just don't see it i know there's a lot of people out there that are really high on him i mean he went as high i saw him go as high as the 102 in rookie drafts the year he came out yeah so you know i just i'm not a rashad penny guy i don't think I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's very good. So, you know, um, and, 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 and part of it too, is that I love, I love Chris Carson and I think he's, he is just a, just a much more talented runner. Um, you know, and he, and he proved it right. I mean, he had a, a huge week one after a huge season last year. So I, the good news for the Seahawks is, you know, and I've heard you guys talk about this on the show before is, you know, regardless of what they paid for Penny, as long as they get a first round quality running back, it doesn't matter that it's Carson and not Penny, you know? Yep. So, and, and I, I firmly believe that as well. And, and they lucked out in this case that Chris Carson is that talented and is producing like that. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I I think I only have one share of Penny across my leagues, and I'm in a ton of leagues. So, um, but he he's a guy that just now I I probably would certain I'd certainly search for a trade partner first. Um, but if nobody was biting on anything, I don't know that you know I don't I just I'm tired of wasting the space because I don't think the guy's going to amount to much as far as a football player goes. So. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, you might still be able to get some uh, some name value out of him, though, um, for those draft capital truthers out there, um, wherever they're at. 
Here's someone though. This entire team, the <laughs> Miami Dolphins, I don't think there's any name value there. Beyond Albert Wilson, I still believe that Albert Wilson makes a lot of sense for that offense. Uh, I don't think that you can drop Ryan Fitzpatrick in a super flex league, uh, but I'm not particularly interested in starting him. And I'd really rather not have him taking up a bench spot. The rest of the Dolphins offense, though, and that includes Kenyon Drake, it includes Kalen Balaj. I, I'm dropping all those guys. I have no use for them after what we saw. And it wasn't granted. Baltimore's got a pretty good defense. They they were in cruise control by the third quarter, though. Don't get it twisted. They, they were not they were not trying to stop the Dolphins at that point because they didn't need to. This game was well in hand. And the the force of will is far greater on Miami to, you know, to, to be completely inept, to never win any games. They're in full-on tank mode. Their players are asking to be traded because they don't want to be a part of this if, if the coaching staff isn't even going to try and win any games. It's, it looks like Brian Flores is, you know, genuinely not interested in winning any NFL games at least this year. And the players know it. I mean, they trade away Laramie Tunsil uh, right before the season starts. This is just, it, it, they're, they're not interested in, in doing anything other than showing up. So, I mean, for fantasy purposes, when are you ever going to trust any of these guys? When are you going to trust Kenyon Drake behind that offensive line number one and number two when when you've got a defense that's going to be putting you in negative game scripts for the for the running game and then as far as a passing game goes again to me albert wilson and he's already dealing with injuries um, but he's he's kind of the only guy that really makes sense in that offense anyways uh preston williams looked great in a in a in a dynasty league, especially one with deeper benches or with a taxi squad, I would hang on to Preston Williams as well. But beyond that, to me, the Dolphins are all droppable. Yeah, I'm 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 with you there too. Um, I just I mean that was an awful performance, uh, and I don't see a lot of hope moving forward for that squad. Um, I mean, they got new England this week and they might lose by 70 this week. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it, I mean, it's just, it's, it is not looking good in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And then, uh, again, like I said, they're, they're a lot of those players are trying to force trades at this point. Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking at a full on mutiny after week one. That's it, it, certainly that's what 59 to 10 will do. But I mean, the the bigger thing is there's a clear message being sent to these players, which is no, don't don't try too hard. We're not we're not trying to win games here. We're trying to get draft draft picks. We're trying to get high draft picks so we can start to rebuild this. So I, I don't know whether it's whether it's the players actually playing along with that or the players you know, just being disinterested because they don't want to be a part of the rebuilding process, regardless of, of what it is that's driving all this. 
it's it's a team going nowhere. Offensively, there I have no interest. Uh, so let's get to some guys though that. I, I mean, these are good. These are guys that are generally over sixty percent owned, and in most cases, they're going to be, you know, mostly owned in all superflex leagues. Um, but they're worth acquiring because their value is a little bit depressed. So, give me a guy that you're going to try and buy after week one. Uh, this one's this one's very easy for me personally. Um, Steelers fan, right? So I'm going after Juju Smith Schuster everywhere I possibly can. Um, and and I think there's look coming into the season, there were two there were two very distinct thoughts on Juju. Either you thought he had the potential to be the wide receiver one overall in the league, um, you know, this year and potentially in future years as well. Or you thought this guy's not going to be able to do what he did without Antonio Brown on the other side of the ball. Last night, it was disgusting, first of all. <laughs> um, but Juju, uh, he had he had six catches, 78 yards. Uh, it was an uninspiring performance. Uh, Stephen Gilmore, I think, followed him around the football field and shut him down pretty good. He, he, you know, there was talk about he was having trouble getting open and separation. Um, you know, so so if you were part of the camp that believes he can't do it without Antonio Brown, then this was, in a way, a little bit of confirmation, right? It's like, hey, you know, Juju, he's he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be valued where uh, he's currently, or or where coming into the season he was he was being valued as far as ADP and rankings and all that good stuff. For me, this presents a buying opportunity because look, if I can get Juju Smith Schuster for any discount whatsoever, any discount at all, I'm doing that every day of the week. Yeah, the thing that people don't realize so. Again, six catches, 78 yards. Antonio Brown throughout his career against the New England Patriots averaged six catches for 76 yards against New England. Yeah. So it's the exact same stat line that Antonio Brown produced against the same team over the course of his career in Pittsburgh. So I think people are are getting a little bit now again. Antonio Brown's one of the greatest receivers there's ever been. So I get it. Okay. But I also think that if there's any type of overreaction to Juju Smith Schuster last night, I'm I'm trying to get him everywhere because I believe that he has the talent to be one of the best receivers in the game for the next decade. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I think you can probably do the same with Devonte Adams Mike Evans, Stephon um, Diggs, Stephon Diggs, yep. Brandon Cooks. These are all guys who really underperformed this week. Who are there? There's a chance that they were that they're pretty undervalued right now. I think most of them, not all of them, but most of them ran into some pretty bad matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, yeah, there's there's a chance to get a a stud wide receiver, an elite wide receiver, at a discount. Yeah, and I think the other thing with with Juju that's a little like I look at I looked at Stephon Diggs in in his performance too, and I think the thing that is different there was game script in that game 
you know, a couple of these guys, the game scripts, I think Adams is a good comparison with Juju this, this week, just being kind of down a down week against a, a bad matchup. Um, Diggs was more game script, right? I mean, they got, they got out so far, they didn't need to throw the ball anymore and they shut it down. So uh, with Juju, he didn't actually get his stuff, you know, his, his statistics until later in the game when they're, garbage time just throwing it around so um i again i just i think i think the other difference is the narrative because there's already a narrative with certain people that juju isn't going to be able to do what he did last year or be a true number one in pittsburgh without antonio brown on the other side of the ball yeah so that's why i think he's a he's a good buy because that narrative's already started and this for those people that believe that narrative this is just confirmation of that yeah it just kind of reinforces it yeah that's a good one that's a good one um yeah odell beckham jr by the way also in that yeah that group but yeah i think juju to your point i think juju kind of is is at the top of that hill um just because he already had some you know some some negative spin going on so um, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I've got a couple here for you, um, but I'm going to the running back position. Two rookies, David Montgomery and Miles Sanders. First of all, both of those guys were arguably the best player on the field in in their respective games. Miles Sanders had, what, a 21-yard touchdown called back yep. on a penalty? Yep. Uh, I, I mean, he was he was clearly the best running back on, uh, on the uh, – on the Philadelphia Eagles team and, and on the entire field. Uh, and then David Montgomery, I, I mean, he just, he just didn't get the touches that he should have. And Matt Nagy even acknowledged that after the game, uh, the, the Packers defense is significantly better than it's been in the previous several years. And I think that it really threw the Chicago bears off of their, off of their game plan and it kind of put Matt Nagy in a situation where he felt like he needed to have Mike Davis on the field, Tariq Cohen on the field, um, just to go with those veterans that he can kind of trust a little bit more, both both in pass protection and just to hold on to the ball. When it's that close of a game and when you're fighting for every single yard, you can't, you know, you you start to feel like you put a rookie out there, you're going to lose the ball, you're going to, you know, he, he's going to make rookie mistakes. But the, the reality is David Montgomery ran the ball so much better than Mike Davis. And he catches the ball just as well as Tariq Cohen. And he's going forward. I think you're going to see a lot more usage for him. Miles Sanders, same thing. I mean, it, it, we, we've talked all offseason about, about this. We've actually been talking about Jordan Howard for years now and yeah. the fact that he's just not that good he's really not he's he's got that that again that veteran presence but miles sanders is the the complete back that jordan howard will never be so at some point these guys are going to take over that role completely i really i i believe that even doug peterson is going to acknowledge that you can consolidate your running back work with Miles Sanders. I think you go buy these guys right now based on, you know, the fact that they had down games and that their usage was a little lower than, than what it's going to be. I think there's a buy window here. 
Uh, what about some? Uh, let's talk about some guys that you can sell high on after week one. Yeah. So the guy that I'm going to point out is actually a guy that you had as an ad, and it's John Ross. Um, I believe <laughs> that this might be the best game of John Ross's career, period. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that this is a guy that I, now I do think he has some value probably until AJ green gets back. Um, but beyond that, you know, you're, you're banking in my opinion, you're banking on an injury for this guy to be relevant. I mean, he, he was in this role sort of last year as well and didn't do a whole <laughs> lot. 21 catches, I think for 210 yards or something like that. So, right. um, I, I just, I'm not a big John. He now he's fast. Mm-hmm. He's fast. I don't know if you saw the, the long touchdown he had too, but, uh, I mean, the catch he made the, the defensive pack, it, it reminded me of the play. Uh, and, and I'm sorry to do this to you, John. I really am, but it, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it reminds this is retribution for me uh, <laughs> talking about outhouse accidentally beating you. <laughs> yeah. It, so it reminded me of, I know where uh, you're going with this too. So the Ravens and the Broncos in yep. the playoffs a few years ago, uh, were the corner and I don't know which, which one it was, but he, he went back and there was only like 30 seconds left in the game and Flacco just heaves one yeah. and the defensive back just misjudges the ball Raheem and kind of jump. Yeah. Yeah. Raheem Moore. And he kind of jumps backwards and it just the ball just goes right over his fingertips and lands um in, in the receiver's hand. He runs it in for a touchdown that ties a game. Um yeah. you know, I, I just I think in that it was a similar scenario here. The the defensive back just totally misjudged the ball uh and and missed it. And Ross, you know, it was the the beneficiary of that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a huge play on his part. It wasn't like he totally outran the defense or anything like that. Um, now having said that, I mean, the kid had a good game. I mean, he really did seven catches for 158 yards. Jeez. Oh man. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a, a game and two touchdowns at that. So, um, I just don't know that he'll ever produce that type of stat line again. Um, he might, I could be totally wrong on this one. He may be the wide receiver two in that offense for the next several years. If AJ green doesn't get healthy, um, and, and can stay on the field. So, but I, I just, I'm not a big John Ross believer. Um, I know he's fast, but I just don't think he's that talented. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that this is a third year breakout, but in the interest of time, I will say, yeah, I mean, AJ green comes back and, and the workload gets cut down a ton for John Ross which definitely is going to make it hard to continue on with the breakout. So, um, so you could absolutely be right. And I, I don't think that there's a huge risk in, uh, in moving him off of a game like that. Uh, for me, Sammy Watkins and Hollywood Marquise Brown, both of those guys had games that I don't believe they're going to repeat. Not this year. Now's the time to move those guys. Um, starting with Watkins, part of the idea here is there's going to be the belief out there that Tyree kill out for, you know, an extended period of time with that broken clavicle sternum thing, uh, that freak injury. And so the idea is going to be here that Sammy Watkins becomes the de facto number one, which, you know, it's, it's true, but 
I, I Pat Mahomes completed passes to something like 10 different wide receivers uh, or, or 10 different pass catchers. They weren't all wide receivers, but um, between the running backs, the tight ends and, and all those wide receivers that they've got, he spreads the ball around. And I think he's going to continue to do that. Sammy Watkins, there's always that injury risk. I like Sammy Watkins, but if anyone's willing to buy the idea that he's a three touchdown a game guy, I don't know how you don't sell Marquise Brown, kind of the same thing. We talked about the dolphins. They're not playing offense. They're not playing defense. Brown's not going to get beyond the secondary every single game like that. Definitely not twice for scores of over 45 yards. That's, that's not going to continue to happen in a redraft league. I'm absolutely selling Marquise Brown. In a dynasty league, it's a it, it it's a little bit tougher because I would like to to hang on for the future, but I don't know that his value is ever going to be as high as it is right now after a two touchdown game in his debut. One last segment here, man. Next week, this week. So this is a segment that we started on last year, and we wanted to to continue with it this year because we had quite a bit of success with it. And basically, these are guys who we believe that you can pick up now for free or next to it and get them a week early. And next week, they're going to be hot waiver commodities, and you're already going to have them stashed on your roster. So next week, this week, what do you got for us, Brian? Uh, So the two guys that I have are Demarcus Robinson and Deontay Johnson. Uh, Robinson of the Chiefs, of course, and Johnson of the Steelers. Um, I think I think Robinson is a guy who I think a lot of people are focused on Miko Hardman uh, as the Tyreek Ty- Hill replacement while he's injured, um, and and that obviously makes sense. Similar skill set, um, but I think Demarcus Robinson being in that system for multiple years, um, you know, and he he had I think he had four touchdowns in the last five games last season as well. So he he's shown somewhat of a rapport with Mahomes. So I think, uh, you know, he, he could be a guy that maybe takes a jump. Um, and then Deontay Johnson, I, I think that is based off of the play of uh, Dante Moncrief in Sunday's game. Uh, he, he just had hands of stone. He couldn't catch the football. Um, I think he had 10 targets and three catches, uh, four drops. So um, I just think there's going to be an opportunity there for the rookie to, um, you know, take the ball and run essentially with it, uh, you know, in that offense, at least, at least, at least a target share. I'm not sure, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three in that offense. I'm not really sure uh, where he's going to land, but I think he's going to get more opportunity. He had five targets uh, in Sunday night's game. um, And I think that number will go up um, moving forward here. Yeah. I really like the Demarcus Robinson one. Um, of the two, McCole Hardman, Micole Hardman, uh, probably is going to be the higher waiver priority. A lot of people are going to be throwing their fab at him, uh, with the idea that he's going to be the, the replacement for Tyreek Hill. Uh, but I think Demarcus Robinson is far more involved. So I love that one. I got three for you. Uh, first of all, two running backs, Alexander Madison and JD McKissick. I, I still have absolutely no reservations with Dalvin Cook. 
Dalvin Cook may be my favorite running back in the entire NFL. I love the way he runs. He's so aggressive and so explosive. He just runs violently. And I I am not worried about injury concerns. I mean, any more than I would be about any running back. He's still a running back. He's still going to get beat up. There's still a chance that he gets hurt because of the nature of the position. He's no more likely to get hurt than anybody else at the position. But this offensive line looks so much better than it has in years. And the offense looked so efficient and obviously, obviously run-oriented to a point where Alexander Madison was still getting on the field, still getting carries, and was running with just as much explosion as Dalvin Cook. I I think that... Madison might be a borderline flex play. If if they continue to run the ball as much as they want to and continue to be as effective with it as they have been, uh, that, as they were in week one anyways. Yeah, I think, I think Dalvin Cook is a high-end RB1, possibly the, the number one running back in all of fantasy football. And I think Alexander Madison is still going to be startable for you. I think he's going to be a flex play. I think he's going to get you the yards for sure and possibly steal a touchdown here and there. And then J.D. McKissick, I think that the experiment, it, it looks like to me, the experiment of on Johnson as a pass-catching running back in Detroit, those days are gone. Somewhere Peter Howard is is doing cartwheels over the fact that <laughs> the carry on Johnson stock is finally dropping and the idea that carry on Johnson can be a pass catching bell cow type of running back. Those days, those days are over. The dream is dead. JD McKissick is your new theoretic. He's the pass catching back in that offense. And I think that that role is his and his alone. I don't think that they're, disillusioned to a point of trying to to throw the ball to carry on johnson anymore it i saw it it looked like they abandoned that and they're they're moving on finally one more guy for you josh rosen again not not super interested in that miami offense but i mean if you're going to tank at some point you're gonna go to josh rosen i there's absolutely no reason to keep putting Ryan Fitzpatrick out there and, you know, just to, to, you know, throw for, you know, what was it? 145 yards in the one and one, something like that. It mm-hmm. was, it, you know, it's, it's not a great stat line. Um, th- there's, there's just no purpose to it. Josh Rosen at least gives you a somewhat of a purpose, which is to see what you've got for the future. So the move to Josh Rosen to me is coming and now's the time to stash him uh, and prepare for that day because it's, it's coming sooner rather than later, I believe. Yeah. I, I love the Al- Alexander Madison uh, pick here. I, I think I saw the same thing you did as far as the aggression and the explosion with him. Um, I mean, he just looked like he wanted it more, you know, running the ball. He was, he's a hungry kid. Um, just, I, I mean, if he didn't have such a stud in front of him, 
uh, he'd be a guy that you'd be nervous about overtaking or, or excited about overtaking that role potentially later on in the season. Um, and he's obviously not obviously not going to do that unless there's an injury to Dalvin Cook. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about him too long term. Uh, and I think that he can, you know, like you said, I think even in even in a redraft league or or if you're looking for uh, some production this year, I think that, you know, I think he's a guy that is going to be able to be played in the flex. So. So there you have it. SOP is going into week two and we'll be back next week for the same thing. But in the meantime, don't forget to check out the rest of the shows that we've got coming up. We'll have our normal episode coming out on Wednesday morning. Uh, tomorrow morning um, and don't forget to miss our live or <laughs> don't don't miss don't forget to check out our live show tomorrow night with stompy and the rest of the gang going over some listener questions listener mailbag questions doing some trades and some just general strategy questions so you can either send us your your trade polls and your questions to at superflex show on twitter or you can just show up and send a, and uh, put them in the chat, and the guys will get to them for you. Um, so that's coming up Wednesday night. That's going to be every Wednesday night. Uh, we also have Start Sit shows coming up on uh, Friday and Saturday. So we've got you covered. This is the new format of the Super Show, and we've we're covering all the bases. So don't miss an episode. And uh, best of luck in week two. Um, best of luck on waivers. And we'll talk again on Tuesday with more SOPs. Still does